0: In the Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers, who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In the Pocket. The overall mission of In the Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color. That is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. You've tuned into a special in-the-pocket episode. It is part one of a two-part series for Aaron Amadei, who is running for Congress in Maine's District 1. Part one goes over basically his campaign, his issues, his backstory, and part two is going to be where he's a little more personable. Um, Not that he's not personable, but we get to see more of the humanity aspect of this candidate. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to In the Pocket. I'm your host, Flo Edwards, and our special guest today is Aaron Amede. He is a politician and he also works in the healthcare field and he's a veteran. Please, Aaron, introduce yourself.
1: How you doing, Flo? It is so, so nice to be on the show today. As you stated, my name is Aaron Amade. I am a candidate for maine's first congressional district for the united states congress hoping to represent the great people of maine um i am currently a cna who works in the york county public schools to assist with COVID testing um as well as a veteran from the united states army Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today
0: yeah it's a pleasure to have you so have you run for any other political offices
1: I have not run for other political offices. Um, you know, while I've always had an interest in politics itself, um, I've kind of always been against career politicians. You know, uh, Public service is supposed to be temporary when it comes to our governmental roles. Um, and so, you know, this effort that I have now to run for politics isn't to launch my career in politics. It's, it's Intentionally, just to fix problems that I see occurring in my community and to be a voice that I think are currently being ignored. So this is my first step going into politics, and, and yeah. Great.
0: So, what is the foundation of what you're running on for your constituents?
1: Of course. So, if, I guess what you can call my foundation is true representation of. people. I feel like a lot of our current representatives have become career politicians where they've just been there for so long. That is their job and they're going to do whatever is necessary to, to keep their job, um, as any person would treat any job. But that's not how our government's supposed to be treated. So I want to go in with the mindset that I am there just to represent the people. I'm there to address problems that are occurring in my community, and to find the best solutions for them. I want to go in, make a difference, and then come back and be a normal Mainer.
0: What are some of the problems that you would like to address?
1: Of course. Uh, um, well, so being in Maine, you know, our number one issue that I see us facing right now, especially here in District 1, is affordable housing options. They just don't exist. Um, I know when you drive through Portland, and even South Portland and Westbrook right now, you're seeing so many new apartment buildings going up, and we've got some new high-rise condos going up. Um, But they're priced very high, you know, they're, they're attracting a very specific clientele to move into the area, into these new luxury apartments, when there are hundreds and thousands of Mainers that have been here for their entire life or for years on end that are just part of the lower and middle class that can't find a place where they can afford to live. Um, I think we need to redirect our development efforts to ensure that we're taking care of the working class of Maine and that we're not just trying to entice uh, higher income range to move into the area to bring more money into our economy because if we allow the people who live here to have housing and to to settle that part of their lives and focus on their careers, they will contribute to our economy in a way that we don't need to bring outsiders into the And then of course, you know, outside of affordable housing if you live in Maine's First District, you can see that we have a severe substance abuse problem and that's something that I really want to address because substance abuse ties into this very strongly. And I've gone out into the community here and actually spoken with some of the, the homeless population and understanding like how they ended up in the situation that they're in and what's preventing them from getting out of it. And it always seems to be a tie between substance abuse and mental health. I really want to bring a focus to addressing the mental health issues that we have, not just here in Maine, but in America as a whole. America has a big mental health crisis going on that is being ignored by the federal government. I think as everyday Americans, we're starting to finally acknowledge this as a real problem that we have, but it's not being addressed on a governmental level in an effective manner and until it is addressed in an effective manner, it's going to lead to so many other issues. If we would put a focus into our mental health, I can see a reduction in our, our violent crime rate, you're going to see a reduction in your homelessness rate, you're going to see an increase in the amount of people who are employed because there are so many people who are unemployed simply because their mental health makes it difficult for them to manage holding a job. So we need to make sure that we're normalizing mental health and that we're giving people the tools necessary to be able to, maybe coping isn't the right word, but to be able to manage their mental health in a way that allows them to function as everyday Americans, just as people without mental health.
0: So I hear we've got affordable housing, we have mental health. Are those like the two key issues?
1: Those are two key issues that I think are affecting us here in Maine the most. Um, my, you know, if you've gone through my website, a lot of things I want to talk about health care. Um, I want to make sure that everybody has access to equitable health care. It is unfathomable that we can live in the United States of America, and people are scared to go to the doctor. You know, I remember that we went through this phase here a couple of years ago where people were calling an Uber instead of calling an ambulance just because of what the price. And that's not okay. Um, that, that thought should never go through our heads as Americans of, Oh my God, I'm having a medical emergency. Don't call 911. Let's wait for an Uber. That's, that should not happen in this country and I want to do everything in my power to make sure that we're reducing these health care costs to a point to where everyday Americans are able to go and have their medical needs met while still ensuring that all the medical facilities are able to operate efficiently and pay their staff uh, you know, the, the wages that they deserve. So healthcare is a big focus for myself. Education is something that I'm very passionate about. I come from a family of six siblings, and I am the oldest by 10 years. So I've really got to witness the education system from a, a different perspective, because um, obviously I went through it myself. <laughs> But now being an adult and watching my siblings going through the education system and seeing the education that they're getting compared to the education that I had or the education that I went out and sourced on my own, I'm seeing all the places where our education system is lacking and it can be improved. And it's not on the teachers for the most part whatsoever. Teachers are doing the best that they can, it comes down to the administration and the We need to ensure that we're allowing teachers to teach and that we're not micromanaging them too much. Obviously, there needs to be a set of standards to ensure that on a national level that we're all on the same page. But we need to give teachers the ability to actually educate students in the most effective way. Now, my my sister who attends a school here in Saco, Maine was saying the other day that she feels as if teachers Um, focus on one teaching style and so the rest of the students end up being neglected and like I was explaining to her how it's not necessarily teachers fault because there's just there's so much regulation as to what they're required to cover and the time span in which they're required to cover it that they don't necessarily always have the time to go through all the different ways that they could teach a certain topic. So students end up falling behind or being lost and confused and giving up. And that's something that we need to address is making sure that we're allowing our teachers to customize their lesson plans in a way that allows the students that they have to learn. These teachers are the ones who are spending every day with their students. They know how their students learn, they know how to help their students succeed and to become productive members in the American society. But I feel as if sometimes lawmakers and administrators who are a little outside of the classroom or a lot outside of the classroom, we put rules into effect that are great in theory, but in practice, just inhibit the teachers from actually doing their job. So I would love to sit down with educators who are actually in the classroom and find ways to revamp our education department to allow them to do their job in a more effective way which would then allow students of all different backgrounds to be able to absorb information in a much more effective way, and that would improve so many different things over time. What we see a lot, like in the in the black community, is you know when you have these teachers that aren't able to explain something in a way that these students can understand, um, what you start to see is these students giving up it's like you know like i'm just not gonna get this like i give up and usually you know these are in low income areas that aren't getting the best funding so the teachers aren't going out of their way because they don't have the time or funding to do it they need to stop allowing students to get to a point to where they feel they need to give up because that is what leads to poverty is when they give up and you know they, they drop out of high school they they go straight into the workforce and give up on furthering their education and then they end up at a at a wall block because without that education, you know, you can only make so much money. And I'm not saying that you need to go to college in order to be able to provide. Um, you know, trades are we have seen through the COVID nineteen pandemic that these trade skills are the essential jobs in America. Um, but we need to ensure that We're instilling inspiration in them, and that we're giving them hope. That we're giving them the ability to understand that, even though I didn't understand it when you taught it to me this way, all I need to do is ask you for clarification, and you will come to me and explain it to me in a way that I understand, and I can then continue to progress. We need to instill hope in our future generations if we want them to. So, excuse me. So that's that is my big push when it comes to education. I obviously, as the child of an immigrant, I also have a passion for ensuring that we have a clear path to citizenship for people who are looking to become a part of the American family. America was founded on immigrants. Every single person who came to this country exploring a better life and then moved on to found the United States of America immigrated here we have an obligation to continue that tradition we just have an obligation to do it in a very safe manner i can acknowledge that the world has continued to become i don't even want to say a more dangerous place but technology has allowed those dangers to spread more rapidly and frequently and more easily so we do need to make sure that we are protecting american citizens from those abroad who may want to harm us however to think that every single person who wants to come into this country, I think is a very negative mindset to have. Um, My focus when it comes to immigration is very much on asylum seekers. We, you know, when when you're on a plane and they're explaining to you how to use all the safety equipment, they tell you to put your face mask on, your oxygen mask on, before putting it on anyone else. You have to take care of yourself can take care of others. I acknowledge that we have a large domestic problem at home that we need to take care of in terms of improving our child literacy rate, in terms of improving our health care, in terms of improving our crime rate and our criminal justice system and our economy. But when it comes to immigration, where we do need to make sure that we are still putting a focus abroad is in allowing those who are simply seeking to come here in order to flee persecution, we need to ensure that there is a clear path for them to come and to be in a safe place. That is what America is about. America is supposed to be the spread of democracy. And if we're going to spread democracy around the world, then we have to accept people who are fleeing countries that do not have democracy. So, asylum is the biggest focus of my immigration policy, but overall we need to ensure that our system is working efficiently, effectively, and affordably. I know from personal experience, I watched my mother, who when she was applying for her citizenship, she sent her paperwork in, she paid all of the fees that were required of her, and they lost her paperwork. Which you would think isn't that big of a deal, you refile it. Except when you refile it, they required her to repay for it. And we're talking about $1,000 has to be reaped because they lost paperwork. And for a lot of people who are coming to this country, $1,000 could make or break them for months. And we need to ensure that we're taking things like that into consideration. We need to make sure that the process is in a manner of which paperwork doesn't get lost. If someone has paid a fee for something and something was misplaced, that fee doesn't have to get paid again. We need to make sure that everything is fair and accessible in order for people to do things properly. We hear our, our conservative counterparts complain all the time about people who immigrate to this country illegally. But we have to ask ourselves, why are people coming illegally? What is it about the process that is so difficult that people find the need to skip the process and just come here and risk being arrested, risk being banned from ever applying for citizenship here? That is a major risk that they're taking. So why are people willing to take that risk and what can we do to inhibit people from wanting to take that? Um, so that that's a big focus that I have when it comes to immigration. I'm sure I'll continue to talk about other ideas that I have as we get through the, in this conversation.
0: So the immigration uh, policy that you're interested in definitely comes from a passionate standpoint um, and a lived experience um, vicariously in ways through your mother. Um, that isn't necessarily... Uh, a topic that you will be addressing in, for our district, for District 1, I should say?
1: Uh, so for, for District 1, something that we see here a lot is, um, you know, I am a, I would still be considered a new Mainer. I've been here since 2019 when I um, was medically retired out of the U.S. Army. So since I, when I first moved to Maine, the first question that everybody asked me is it's like, do they have Black Maine. And I was like, I don't know, but I'll find out when I get there. Um, and then when I came here, what I found was, as I'm sure the chair will, we have a large refugee population. So my immigration policy is going to be very, very focused on District 1 because of the amount of refugees that we do take in from Africa and the different countries in Africa. And make sure you specify that so that is that is something that will be a priority in District 1 is immigration because of that. We have so many asylum seekers here, so many refugees here that are coming here wanting a better life for their children, for themselves and for their future generations. So they are the ones that I have in mind as I work on my immigration policy.
0: Do you think with your, I think you only have one possible opponent? Is it Shelley Pingree?
1: Shelly Pingree is the current incumbent um we are still trying to figure out if in fact she is running for re-election because currently it seems like a lot of places are reporting that I am the only democrat running in district one so I'm not sure if maybe she is still questioning whether or not she's running for re-election um but yeah Shelly Pingree is the current incumbent democrat that I will be running against in the primaries and then for the general we do have a Republican as well as an Independent that uh, have stated that they're running.
0: And so what are the differences from uh, your opponents so far that you think that you would do better or you're more suited for?
1: All right. Um. So I, I am not running against Shelley because I think that she is a bad Congresswoman. I am running against Shelley simply because I believe that there are experiences that I have had that relate to those of many Mainers that she may not have had. And if she has had them, that she is at least not putting a primary focus on. Shelley grew up a farmer, um, and she does amazing things for our agricultural community. And that is something that I will not take away from her whatsoever. And if elected, it's something that I will make sure to continue because agriculture is huge here in Maine. But that seems to be the end of where her initiative ends. Um, she focuses so hard on agriculture and farming. And there are so many issues going on in this district as we've already the, the the human rights issues that are occurring in this district I feel like are being neglected. And I think part of that just comes necessarily from her personal experience. You know, myself, I come from a single family background. I grew up with a single mother. My grandmother helped her raise me. And, and when I was 16, my father came into my life. and Now I have a great relationship with my dad, which I'm so thankful for. Um, but I grew up without that, so I, I understand what it's like growing up in a single parent household. I understand what it's like being the child of an immigrant um, because those are two very different challenges in themselves. Being an immigrant and being a child of an immigrant is two different challenges. As the child of an immigrant, it has been placed on me. That it is my obligation to be successful because of these sacrifices that were made by your parents. You know, your, your, your parents, in my case, my mother, went through all of the challenges of being a an immigrant in america a black woman in america um, a young pregnant black woman in america and she she went through those things and survived those things to ensure that i could have the best life possible so i now have an obligation as the child of an immigrant to ensure that i succeed and that i I use
0: the opportunities that we're given in America to make the biggest difference
1: possible for future generations. So that that's definitely what I take into consideration um, when it comes to those things.
0: Awesome. Um, I love that you always bring up your lived experiences, um, because that is basically what makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that while you were in the Army, you were... Well, actually, let me backtrack a little. I I noticed that you moved to Maine in 2019. How did you choose Maine? Was it you were looking at a map and you threw a pin? Like, what brought you here?
1: Uh, So, you know, when I got out of the Army, I got out of the Army summer of 2019, and I went back home to Florida for about a month, and I realized, wow... I hate the heat so much Um, because while I was in the army I deployed over to Europe to train our NATO allies so I spent time in Germany and Poland and I happened to be there for their entire winter which is very equivalent to a mainland. Um, And also a lot of people don't realize but midwest winters I think are a little bit worse than main winters. so, I just, I got so used to the cold and I honestly fell in love with it. But I got back to Florida and I was like, I can't do this heat. I had a friend who was living in Portland and he was like, you will come up and visit. I came up to visit Portland and because um, I was looking for some place to relocate to, I came up to visit Portland and I fell in love with it. I'm like, everybody is so nice. I love the small towns. Um, the fact that most places in Maine are towns and not actual cities, like, that's something that I absolutely love. The community feel up here, the, the way of life up here, the fact that, you know, in Maine, you have legal marijuana. They legalized gay marriage before the federal government did. And on top of that, they are constitutional carry state. I'm like, Maine is, I remember when I was a kid, we used to have a joke. And they're like, I just want to go to my gay best friend's wedding while carrying a gun and smoking a blunt. It's like you know it's just like i just want to be free like that's it and it's like and maine was that place and then when i saw the main model was the way life should be i was like yes this is it and i swear two weeks later i moved to portland and um 10 months later i convinced my mom to move up here with her her new husband at the time um and my siblings so now i've got my mom my stepdad and all my siblings up here and we've all decided that this is home for life we We love the community feel and just everything that Maine represents. It's, in my opinion, Maine is the best state in the country.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I would love for our listeners to know how to reach you. Please, what's the plug? Of course. So
1: I thrive to make myself... Not thrive, I'm sorry. I strive to make myself as accessible as possible. So the first means of access to me is, of course, my website. It's amedeforcongress.com. That's A-M-E-D-E for F-O-R, congress.com. And through there, you will find the address of my office, my phone number, as well as all of my social media links. I am on Instagram at Aaron.Amede. I'm on Twitter at Aaron Amade, and you can find my Facebook page, Aaron Amade for Congress. Um, and I you know, I keep my phone number on all of my platforms because I want people to reach out to me. I want you to call me. I want you to text me. Bring me your concerns. I want to be accessible, and I want to maintain that as a congressman to where people can actually get through to me. I represent you. you. And in order for me to represent you, I have to hear what you're thinking. I have to hear what your concerns are as much as i would love to have the ability to just read everyone's mind in this district and go to washington and make decisions take everyone's consideration i'm not that good yet so <laughs> until that point i need people to contact me so please please reach out to me my email is also aaron at omede for so you can send me an email and i'll do my best to get back to you um even if you don't get an immediate response from, from me i I promise you that I did at least read or listen to the voicemail and I'm taking it into consideration. I'm sending it to my team so that we're incorporating it into everything.
0: If you like what you've heard and wanna hear it again, or wanna check out our archive of past shows, Look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show.